afternoon. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Thank you for changing your day so that you come here this afternoon because God has got a very strong and powerful message for you today. Here we are, we celebrate the birth of a little baby that happened 2,021 years ago. And some people might, be, might ask, what's the relevance today? Like, how is he even relevant today? Why, do I, why should I care? Is this something, you know, is it, oh, look, this is something that, you know, people were religious years ago, but I just don't see the relevance of, a, of the birth of a baby anymore. Well, today, I'm going to explain to you and show you why the birth of this baby is so relevant and why he is so relevant to so many people. The world was in the grips of a war. It was, a, it was known at that time as the Great War because it seemed like everyone, was in, everyone in the world was involved in it. We now know it as World War I because another one was to follow. Can I have the first slide? Thanks, Paul. It was known as trench warfare. They were Aussies. The only sort of protection you had was to dig a trench so you didn't get your head blown off. And if you stuck your head up, it was very likely you'd get a bullet through it. Two sides dug trenches, and at times they were so close they were only here to the back, from here to the back wall apart. A trench with our side in, a trench that, that back wall away. Between that and 300 metres apart, that's what they like, and they lived in them. This is Christmas, 1914. It's freezing cold. It's near the border between France and Belgium, right up the very top of the northern part of France. And it's Christmas time in the, in the uh, northern hemisphere. It's cold and it's wet. And these guys are there trying to stay alive. But they have an enemy who's only that far away, who they are ordered to shoot on sight. In the most brutal way, throw grenades, blast them, whatever. With a bayonet on their, on their gun on their rifle, a bayonet like a, like a, a very large knife. Anyway, the Germans and their allies on one side, the British, French, Belgians, Canadians, Australians, the allies on the other side, they're only that far apart. And the British and their allies are in their trench. Can I have that? Thanks, Paul. And they're in their trench very early Christmas morning and they hear something. They hear something. It's Christmas morning and they hear carols being sung in German. They recognise the tune, of course, the words are in German, but they recognise the tune and they know the song. And the British and French and English Australian allies start to sing the, sing the carols too. And something happened. Something happened. This is the relevance of a baby. 
after a while, and they'd been singing carols for a little while for some time. One of the Germans who had a little bit of English said, come out, we no shoot. And slowly a couple of guys had a bit of courage, put their head up, and no one shot, and they started to come out. And as slowly guys start coming out of their trenches, both sides, the British and their allies, the Germans and their allies, they start to crawl out of their trenches. And they start to walk to each other in that little bit of land they call no man's land. You don't ever go there. And they meet and they greet in the middle. Next slide, thanks, Paul. Some photos taken. These are 100-year-old photos. Of that very day, this was a real event. Mixture of both sides. And they found they had something in common. Next slide, thanks, Paul. Here we go, lighting each other's cigarettes. An amazing thing happened. They start to greet each other. And they're singing carols together. But here's something else. Only the day before, they were trying to kill each other. But on this day, they start to give each other gifts. Now, where does a, a soldier in the trenches get his gift from? They've been sent from home for them. Next slide, thanks. So they are giving the gifts that have been sent from their very own homes, from their own families, and they give it to the person who was their enemy. What's the relevance of a baby? Here they are standing around, some posing for the cameraman. A couple of them had cameras with them. Anyway, we'll go to the next slide. Thanks, Paul. One of them was given a soccer ball for, for his Christmas present, was sent from home. And he brings the soccer ball out and they start playing this impromptu game of soccer. Now, we can't say it was a properly regulated game. There were probably a few hundred guys kicking that ball around. And all of a sudden, these soldiers became just regular guys who, who were looking for hope. And they spent that day together. That's a true story. Christmas Day, 1914. The leaders of the two forces never allowed that to ever happen again. They made sure it would never happen again because what it did, it humanised their enemy. It put faces to the guys they tried to shoot instead because they tried to demonise the other side. And they would never ever allow that to happen again. Jesus, a baby, stopped a war 
the great war for a day. What's the relevance? If he can stop a war, what can he do in our life? Uh, next passage, please, Paul. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, for they will walk and not be faint. Those guys in those trenches have been called to a war that was going to last for years to come. And the thing that they knew that they needed was hope. Hope that I would last the day. Hope that I would not suffer horrific injury. Hope that I'd get home to my family. Hope that if the worst happened, that I could stand before God and he'd accept me. Hope. And when hope is torn away from a man, what has a man got to live for? When someone becomes suicidal, what's the reason? Because they've lost all hope. It takes away your very purpose for being alive. These men needed something. They knew it because a man's strength gives out after a while. We're mere mortals. His physical strength, even young men's strength, as it says here, can only carry so far. When you're living in trenches that are rat-infested and sleeping in knee-deep water that's just above the temperature of snow and ice. And if you, if you just try to stand up to get out of it, someone's going to put a bullet through your head. They needed hope. What's the relevance of a little baby? That little baby brings hope to this world. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I'm sure there's someone here today, I know, that has contemplated just ending it. Just, I've, I'm done. I've run out. I've run out. And I'm sure you'll agree with me because it was this. You felt I had, there's no hope left. I've lost all hope. Can I tell you, hope is not something that we generate ourselves. It is not something that we try to just manufacture. And it's not the hope that we talk about where we hope for something. Hope, hope in itself is something far greater. And it's not something we can generate, but it's something we receive. And as we just read here, it is the Lord, it is the Lord that can bring us and gives us our hope. Can we have the next slide? Thanks, Paul. So God has given both his promise and his oath. 
These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I tell you, is that what we're looking for? That's what those men were looking for. They were looking for a strong and trustworthy hope for their soul. This is, and it leads us through to the curtain of God's inner sanctuary. Can I tell you what hope does? It empowers. You take away hope, you feel you have lost all power. Hope empowers you. That's why it says in that previous verse there before, it increases the power of the weak. they, They will renew their strength. They'll soar like the wings of eagles. I'm sure all of you, because you've lived, you've gone through through really, really difficult time. If you live long enough, it's going to happen. I can tell you, mine, losing a 22-year-old daughter. But hope. God had planted that inside of me. It carried me, carried me through. You know, I know of marriages that fail through much less because there's been no hope that's been planted into the two individuals in that marriage. Hope is what gives you the strength to carry on. Even if you haven't, I hope you will never, ever be tested in such a way. Those guys in in those trenches, they were tested in the ultimate way. They didn't know if they would survive the day, every day. And so they knew the value of hope. And on Christmas morning, they expressed the value of that hope as they sung their carols. Something that could change a war is hope. And it came from a little baby. Next slide, thanks, Paul. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You know, we try to chase life, run after it, and the kind of life that we try to grab hold of, we think it looks enticing, and when we find it, it's actually, it entices us, it, it traps us. And we end up being, instead of the master of, our lo- of that life, that kind of life masters us. And we don't, and we become slaves. But Jesus, these things were written, that that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, there are people who would try to tell you that, that Christianity or, or believing in Jesus is some sort of entrapment. They don't know. Jesus come to set you free. He said, I'll come to set you free and you will be free indeed. I want to say to some of you today, You've been putting it off. 
You've probably even learnt to, to be able to mix, go to church, mix, and pass yourself off as one, as one, you know, and talk the lingo. And you can fool us. I can tell you, you can't fool God, though. You can't fool God. You'll fool us. You might even fool yourself. And you may well be fooled of yourself. But you will never fool God. Because God knows if you've truly given yourself to him. You see, how can I tell then? How can you tell? How do you know? How do I know that I'm truly his? Well, it's quite easy. Because if you don't know, I'm going I'm to ask you to be part of this. Jesus, I give my life to you. I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my saviour. You see, if you can't say that, then you've learnt to mix and you've learnt to be religious. But being religious isn't acceptable to God. But, you see, the time will come. Can I have that next slide? Yes, thanks. Let's say, sorry. These guys knew that they were, had this beautiful Jesus walking with his arm on their shoulder. The day will come. You may have fooled everyone. You may make your life look wonderful, that you're successful. Maybe you're earning a lot of money. You've got a great career. And you look wonderful. But this day will come where you will stand before God. And you can stand alone. Or you can stand with Jesus with you. You see, let me explain the difference. Because I only have to explain one side. When you have Jesus with you. And you come and stand on that, that day, that final day. And the accuser says all the things you've done wrong in your life. Jesus says, he gave his life to me. I own all those things. They're mine. Jesus says to the Father, he's innocent. He's as pure as the white as snow. He's free to enter. But you see what it takes? I've got to give my life to Jesus. And then by doing that, he can say, yes, I own all those things. When you give your life to Jesus, he owns all those things you've done. Let me tell you, ask you, think back through your life. There's things, I can tell you, things I, I wouldn't share. There's secrets I have that I've never told anybody. And I'm sure you're all the same. But nothing is hidden from God. You can stand alone before God on that day. Or you can have Jesus with his arm on your shoulder. And he says, he gave his life to me. I own all those things. And I paid the price on the cross for those things. This man is innocent of all charges. He's free to enter. Now, 
I will give you this verse. It's not, it's not he, Paul, so don't go looking for it. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged has, and has crossed over from death to life. Because Jesus has already taken that judgment. So the choice is yours. You can spend, send that day on your own or you can have Jesus beside you. Now, if you've never, ever said, Jesus, I give my life to you, you can have it all. I'm going to invite you to come right out here right now and, and deal with that, fix it, and do it publicly. Make that change. Some of us have been there and we've done that, but I don't know, we get tempted, we get busy, we get into life. We get, I don't know, we find new interests and they, they grab hold of us. But I'm going to say to you, it's time to recommit. It's time to recommit. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a, a song again as the musicians come up. And I'm going to invite you, come out, make a stand, drive a peg in the ground and say, this is me, I'm changing my life today. I'm going to have hope. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. He can stand before the Father and say, yeah, I own all that stuff. And he will also say, and I paid the price for it. You are free to enter. Let's stand and sing. Please come out the front if you want to make that decision. If you want to recommit, now is the time.